Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without you backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I think Ed Sheeran actually had a, an audience of about, I would say, 130,000 people last night by the sounds of the number of people who sat out in their gardens on what was a lovely evening and listened to the show coming, wafting up of the night air from Parky Cueve. It wasn't blowing my way, but I know a lot of people could hear it and sat out with a cup of maybe a little snaky glass of wine, even if it was a school night. And enjoyed the music coming up. It's just great to have it all back. I did tell you, didn't I? I did tell you it was worth seeing. And I did tell you it was a very, very special concert. And I don't think anybody who went there was in any way disappointed. It was an amazing concert. Um, I can't wait until he goes back to Cork again. It was just phenomenal. And he played some of his greatest songs. It's fantastic to see the events back again. And it was still like, if you weren't comfortable so with the, the distance and stuff, people were still staying back and you could stand in your own little pod of people. So it was grand. Or you could get right up there and into the action. Like So it was great crack. Oh yeah, he was brilliant. He really performed very well. Oh, his encore was class. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was brilliant. Would you like to see him back in Cork? again? Oh, bring him on next year or even before Christmas. I'd love to see it. Oh, I thought it was brilliant and the weather was fabulous. Yeah. And it's great to see big events back in Cork and in general again, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Sure, this is the first one, no, I'd say, since, uh, since the lockdowns. Very nice to have uh, entertainment back in the city. My fourth time seeing him. I saw him in Dublin twice and Parky Queen the last time. Feels to everyone, I think. You know, everyone knows a bit of Ed Sheeran. He does fast songs, slow songs, so please everyone, yeah. Uh, yeah, just be, and with of course the crack started down at Tequila Jacks at four o'clock, and it, well, Monica from the Street Flade, how are you doing, girl? You all right? Have you recovered? Hey, <laughs> what a night! Um, it was amazing. Let me tell you, there were loads of people. The vibe was absolutely great, and it was nice to see everyone out and about again. The sun was shining, and it made an, for an overall stunning day. Yeah, you had a really big party down the boardwalk. Yes, it was. Like, uh, Simon was playing some music. It was it was a really lovely pre-ed party there. Great, great. And, and Maureen, you went all the way down to the gig. 
I did. Oh my God. I was nearly afraid to talk, PJ. I was saying, I don't even know if I have a voice this morning. I've spoken to no one. You're the first person I've spoken to. I can to hear it. I can hear <laughs> Oh, what a night. It was just amazing. And people, just people were saying so to me, you're friendly. hyping it up, Coogan. You're hyping it up. It lived up though, didn't it? Oh, it really did. I mean, you heard in the box there, I mean, he appeals to everyone. Like, there was so many people from kids right up there they just loving it like and you know it, I felt comfortable there I was in the standing part and dancing and oh it was just fantastic he's such a talent and he even said on stage he's loads of family in Cork like you know oh it's it's brilliant I think there's a lot of people think that their name is Sheehan but that's a mistake in it yeah. that actually they're Sheeran you know was a <laughs> the few... also correct was at me yesterday <laughs> so I was like there was a few there was a few no no you see Sheehan is a misprint on the birth cert you know <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's brilliant. Like, he, oh, is, he is a fantastic entertainer. You, you you might love one song and not love another, but he's a wonderful entertainer. He really is. And like that, he played like so many of his new songs, but then he played so many of the old favourites. Like, and you just, oh, you can't help but having a, you know, dance around and yeah. have a sing song. And like the for something so big to come back after what we've all been through is just, it, it felt really special, you know, and to be in there with so many other people. And, you know, the ones when people turn their phone lights on and yeah. it was really special, you know, it, it was an amazing you, night. I think at, 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 at times, I think more really, was just that little bit emotional to be back at it again. It, oh, it, it's just it, fabulous. It was really great. Monica, you're back down in Jaquita Jacks again today. Yes, um, we're going to be down there at two o'clock, and I don't think I think it will be the same great, amazing vibe it was yesterday. Yeah, there was big crowds. They started moving in. I was driving home yesterday afternoon, our lunchtime, and there was crowds in the city even then. So it'll be oh, jammers yeah. I think today. It will be packed. All right, and you're 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 there with the fleet, and you've got giveaways, and you've got music, and the whole lot again today. Again, we'll be down there at two o'clock. All right, Monica, take care, and Maureen, thanks a lot. Go rest that voice. We might, <laughs> you might need it for work. <laughs> Cheers, girl. Thanks a lot, Monica. Uh, from the street fleet, that's Monica's first time live on air. She's in a street fleeter with Cork's 96 FM. Welcome, girl. And, of course, Maureen, who went the whole hog and went to the gig last night. And I'd say it would go again tonight if she had half a chance to go again tonight. Um, and, you know, it's, it's lovely to see. This came up on Insta yesterday. The convent sanctuary in Buttevant, where a lot of Ukrainian refugees have come to stay. Ed arranged for 160 tickets for tonight uh, to be given to those refugees. It's in uh, the former Combat of Mercy and according to the echo, the, the gesture means the world to them. And it, it happened after volunteers helping the Ukrainians just reached out to Aiken Promotions to see what could be done. And not only that, but before the gig... Uh, they're going to the marina market where they'll be fed and watered, as it were, to their heart's content. And indeed, Aikens just, you know, they can't do everything, but they do an awful lot for people when they bring a big gig to town. So that was really nice to see. Really nice. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, one man who was down there last night having a little bop in the stand. Uh, did he play your favourite song, Lord Mayor? Good morning. Is she there with me? I don't Good morning, PJ. Can you hear me? Yeah. Are you horse too? You are. 
Uh, slightly, slightly. <laughs> there was uh, there was a lot of singing down the park last night. Yeah. Did you play your favourite song? He did. He actually played a, a verse of the Parting Glass, which yes. is, I think his version of the Parting Glass is absolutely amazing. Yeah, so I could say he played a bit of it. Yeah, he did it in Coker as well the other night. Wasn't mm. it so great, Colm, to have gigs and events back? There was a little bit of emotion in, uh, across it all. It was it was phenomenal. I was there in 2018, the last time he played on the Park PJ, and um, you know, little did we know, little did anyone know, but did I know back then that it'd be the last time that he'd be playing there for nearly four years, um, when it come to the pandemic. Be it last night when it got, I suppose, dusk, just before it really got dark, he asked the crowd to turn on their lights and stuff like that. Mm. And um, it was it, it, it was very emotional, to be quite honest with you, because obviously everyone knows what happened over the last two and a half years. Um, and just to see something as normal as that, something that we took for granted, such as that, it was very, very emotional down the park. Yeah. Very well behaved, very well organised, I think, is the general view. <laughs> Very well behaved, very well organised. Um, I have to hand it to Angarda Shea The traffic management tank coming out of the park afterwards was decent enough. Um, obviously, they were the pedestrians had to get out first. Um, very well organised by the stewards, by the staff in Parky Cueve, Aiken Promotions. Um, just a really, really good all-round concert. And one, one thing that I, I really liked about it is, you know, it's it, very family-orientated. Very mm. family-orientated. Is, is that all kind ages of entertainer anyway? Five up to 80. He is he is, but you know, all ages from five up up to eighty odd. Like it was, it, it was brilliant to see. You know, mm. looking ahead to the summer, uh, lots to happen before you even leave office yourself in June, Colm. There's there's lots more music and lots more gigs to come. We've got another night in the park. We've got the Marquis starting up again. Musgrave Park starting up again. It's going to be some summer. I think it's going to be an excellent summer, PJ. And I think the people of Cork and the surrounding areas will come out and enjoy it every single bit that they can. Even the walk down to the to the uh, park yesterday from City Hall um, and all the pubs around it, the eateries around it and stuff. It was brilliant to see again because they've all suffered during the pandemic. But as you said, you know, more 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 concerts down the park. We've lived the marquee coming back with Musgrave Park. And we've a lot of sporting events coming yeah. out over the summer as well. So it's, it's really going to be a bumper summer. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. All right. Listen, then, Dad, go on and enjoy your day I know you've had a very very busy couple of days thank you very much Lord Mayor it's so good for the economy you, it's so good for everybody thank you very much that is Colm Kelleher our uh, Lord Mayor there's two matches in the city tonight as well there's a rugby match at Musgrave Park Munster and there's a Cork City match at Turner's Cross and we've another 35,000 people coming in for Ed tonight which it baffles me a little bit. I just wanted to throw the, it just baffles me a small bit that uh, some of the car parks, the North Main Street, uh, is closing at its normal time, and the the Black Ash Park and Ride is closing at its normal time tonight. Like you would have thought that they could at least keep the park and ride open for a couple of hours extra. But listen, it is what it is. So it'll be an enormous night tonight uh, in Cork City. Ed at Parky Grieve, Mark Two. Munster at Musgrave Park and I think that match is close enough to being sold out and Cork City at Turner's Cross and isn't it just brilliant to be doing it again isn't it just fantastic Kate says he's wonderful what you see is what you get with Ed and that's so rare in celebrity he's very real can I just say congrats as well to Sarah and to Dermot on their wedding 
and thanks to the Vienna Woods who hosted it so well. Another phone call. Great buzz in the city last night. But what's up with a lot of the cafes closing early? You'd think they'd be staying open late. That Yeah, I did see that last night, Cora, that a lot of places just closed at the regular time. And the only thing I can put it down to is staff. The shortage of staff. Just not able to stay open because they don't have staff. Which we've talked about so many times on the opinion line. Something else is happening this weekend and we did have a lot of love in the room for Roy. And actually, Fergal, if you can find those messages and maybe print them for me from earlier in the week because there was two or three pages of messages came in and I didn't get to reread them because I wanted to reread some of them. But the organiser of Music Heals, uh, Roy, incredible love for him. And Music Heals is Sunday in the black market in Marina and you can get tickets online or just go along and scan in on the door. Uh, yeah, Councillor John Maher also remarking about the park and ride not being open late. But look, we're talking up the positive of a great night. Two great nights actually, but it was a bit strange that the park and ride closed at half estate. And a lot of people also were disappointed, let's be straight here, were disappointed that there was no shuttle bus um, bus Aaron didn't have a shuttle bus, which was disappointing. I'm delighted for one person. I know she's listening this morning. As my pal, she's been on the show with me a few times, Carol Royce, a disability campaigner. And Carol was one of the people who was asking me during the week about blue badge passes and getting down, get the car in. and I think she got sorted. And then she met an old friend of hers at the gig that she met at the last Ed Sheeran gig. So I know that Carolyn does well with her had a great night and I hope you did too. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, I mentioned that event on Sunday. We were talking to Roy earlier in the week about organising this event at the Black Market uh, on Sunday. It's called Music Heals and it's a huge lineup. and proceeds are going to the Cavern Studios and to the Life Centre and there was one other as well which I don't have written down in front of me but just the surge of, of love for Roy. I want to say fair play to Roy. Uh, three great charities he's raising money for. Credit to his family and to his brother's memory. Hi there, Roy's a great credit to his family for all that he does and for what he's doing Sunday in honour of his brother. It speaks volumes about what a kind-hearted person he is An inspiration to many. Sunday will be an amazing day. Roy's an inspiration to so many people. I met him last year. Every goal he sets, he takes action and he does it. He's one of the nicest, kindest and funniest people I've ever met. What he's doing for his community is amazing. Can't wait for Sunday. Well done, Roy. Roy's an amazing person doing great work to help out and change children's lives. The dedication he has would blow you away. We need more Roy's in the world. I know Roy for many years. He has a heart of gold. He does so much good for so many people. 
Three unbelievable organisations. What a great thing Roy is doing to raise much needed funds and keeping the spirit of his brother alive by spreading his music and with Ross's son and daughter involved too. Magic. Well done to all involved in making this happen. Well done, Roy. We're all looking forward to the amazing day with all these talented performers. An amazing guy. I know him personally. He's always the driving force behind every charity event I've been lucky enough to be involved with with him. It's a true legend, kind and always willing to lend a hand. This just goes on and on. Roy's an amazing guy, doing great work for three remarkable organisations, helping so many people, and being in his company is enough to lift you up. What he's doing is incredible and inspirational. A credit to his family. What an amazing family day out. Music Heals is not to be missed, and the funds going to three great organisations. It's amazing, amazing the love out there for Roy. few things. Um... Yeah, we were talking to Philip about the passport during the week. Remember, Philip's, Philip's family, his wife and the rest of their kids, are in Disneyland at the moment, in Paris. And Philip should be there. But because of the baby, Zach, not able to get a passport, uh, despite having everything done, uh, Philip is at home with baby Zach, while his partner and the rest of the kids are in Paris, enjoying Disneyland without him, unfortunately. And he was on to us again. Hi, guys, just an update. Um, after I got off air, I checked the passport tracker. It said the passport is printing. So immediately I rang the passport office to ask if I could come up to Dublin and collect it. And they said no. I said I could still go to Paris from Dublin and join my family. And they just said no. I checked the tracker. They posted it at 18.33 p.m., Got it in the post this morning, but there's no flights today. It's so disappointing. They could have just kept it at the counter for me. And I could have got a flight yesterday out of Dublin. That's from Philip Shee. Ah, oh, he just couldn't catch a break. And they weren't inclined to give him a break either. At one point, he went to the office in Dublin with all of the stuff that he needed. They'd noticed something up. They claimed there was something up with the application. They claimed that said, the little lad's birth cert wasn't in the package and Roy said it absolutely is but look just for the sake of it I'll get another one and I'll drive up he drove up and they said oh you're going to have to post it so he said what? you need me to cross the street and and eventually they took it off him and then the passport was printed and it's sitting on the desk and he's prepared to get into his car and drive up for it and he get a no can't do that what's going on in this flipping country? Marcella was on as well about smart glasses and there's a lot of advertising going on at the moment for smart glasses um, I don't have a pair I, I don't know what it's like to wear a pair but they look like real nice glasses and they have they're attached to your Google or whatever you're using yourself and they take pictures and all this and you kind of think yeah fabulous idea this is where technology is going apparently with them for example if you don't know where you're going if you don't know, like if you let's say for example you wanted to walk down to Ed Sheeran tonight and you didn't know how to get to Parky Cueve you could put, put Google Maps on and the glasses and it'll guide you cool out but Marcella was on so I was just wondering if there's any chance we could bring up this topic of smart glasses um, I feel they only help this is serious enough I feel that and I can understand why you might think that way Marcella I feel they will only help paedophiles to record children and hackers to record other people's personal details they should be spoken about I'd like to hear what everyone else has to say about them 
That's a very interesting point of conversation that Marcella raises. Because like I said, they're fun. Going to walk downtown or walk to the park, say, and you're not entirely sure how to get there. You can bring Google Maps up in your glasses and it'll, it'll lead you along as you walk up the road. That's the fun side. Uh, but the not-so-fun side might be what if they get into the hands of the, the wrong person. In fact, the ad talks about people taking photographs. What if it goes to the wrong person? And as Marcella, you don't need me to repeat it for you. Who might that wrong person be, be taking photographs of and what might they be, they be doing with it or with the photos they would take? Thanks for that, Marcella. It's certainly worth thinking about. Maria Kuhn was here on holidays a couple of years ago and she had a car accident. Uh, she and her family were involved in a car accident and it could well have changed her life. What it did do is change her aims and it made her a campaigner for a very specific change in how seat belts in cars are designed. Maria, it's good to speak with you. You were here in Cork just before Christmas of, of 2019 visiting. And what happened? First of all, thank you so much for having me um, on your show. Um, yes, my family and I were visiting Ireland. We actually had a wonderful three days in Dublin. Um, I think we arrived a couple of days before Christmas and spent spent three days in Dublin. It was just beautiful. Um, and then we rented a car to drive around the countryside to visit a family relic, actually. Um, so this was December 26th, 2019. So it was mm. the day right after Christmas. And, you know, we were on this beautiful drive, very conscious of staying in the correct lane. And it was pouring rain and we just went around a corner and a distracted driver was in the wrong lane and hit us head on. Now, your seatbelt saved your life, but also it nearly killed you. How did that happen? That's exactly right. So I'm very grateful that we were all wearing seatbelts and we all survived, although um, it was not the case for a time. That, it was not clear that that was the case for a time that, that we were all going to live. Um, so basically, the seatbelt that was designed to stop the forward momentum of a body in a car accident Rather than catching me at my pelvic bones, the seatbelt slid up and caught me in my abdomen. And so what that means is the force of the accident was exerted on my, my intestines. And so essentially, we found out that the seatbelt, it had burst my small intestine. And so there was internal bleeding and there, and there was gas leaking and, and stomach acid leaking into the rest of my abdomen. This is the belt now that goes across one's lap. Exactly. It's a lap belt. Right. And that had slid up. So the full force mm -hmm. of the impact. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. If you can picture, um, so a lot of car safety tests are done with only male dummies. So they're designed for a male pelvis. Yeah. And you can... If you picture um, how a seatbelt would kind of catch your body, it's made to catch the pelvic bone because, of course, that can withstand that force a lot better. Um, an engineer that I spoke with a few months ago described the seatbelt sliding up and hit, hitting your abdomen as, quote, cutting through like a knife. Right. So you can kind of picture what that would feel like. Yeah. Or rather, I can't. I can't imagine the pain 
that you must have been in. Yeah. So it did incredible damage to your your insides. You had to have very complex surgery, didn't you? I did. Yeah, they initially um, didn't think that it was as severe as it was um, because of where we were in, in Cork. Um, the ambulance took a little while to find us, and then it was another hour or so ambulance ride. Um, and my mom at the scene was actually worse injured than I was. Um, and so we, we were caring for her. And then I got a feeling um, once we'd been at the hospital a while that something was really wrong with me, but no one was really seeming to take it seriously. And then one nurse took a CT scan and she saw that my intestine had been punctured and was leaking. And so I was rushed into that emergency surgery. Yeah. 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 So thankfully you made a full recovery and everything was okay but it got you thinking didn't it it definitely did well first of all i'm so grateful for the incredible care that i received at the hospital um my family and i are feel very fortunate that 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 the people of ireland treated us with such kindness and compassion just gave us such incredible care so we really want to express our gratitude for you all um but it did get me thinking i mean there were five people in the in the car accident. My 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 family and I, um, and my mom and I were the only ones who were severely injured. Despite sitting in in the back row, you know, the two people in the front of the car, my my brother and my dad, weren't hurt at all. Right. And you would think that the majority of the force would be on on the front, um, but instead, my mom and I were most hurt. And then when I so when I got home from Ireland, my grandmother had cut out an article from the magazine Consumer Reports, and that article detailed this issue that I now work on of uh, gender-based safety disparities in, in crash testing. And what have you discovered uh, in terms of that, that when they're testing something like a seatbelt, that they use a generic dummy which is based on the male body? Exactly, yeah. So they test primarily using a male dummy called Hybrid 3, um, that is based on the 50th percentile male body from the 1970s. So he's 5'9 and around, I think, 170 pounds. And so, you know, I'm 5'5, five five, I'm about 110 pounds. That doesn't really look much like me. Um, they use a female dummy sometimes and in the back seats of crash testing. And that dummy is 4'11 and 108 pounds. Additionally, she is simply a scaled-down male, so she does not have any internal morphology of a female-born person, and so she doesn't have the bone mass, bone structure, pelvic structure, abdomen, neck, anything that represents women. So the seat belt that's in my car that I drove to work in this morning, that's built for my body. It's it's exactly. not built for my wife's body, my daughter's body, my sister's body. That's that's how they're designed. Definitely. I mean the at least the American government has known about this since the nineteen eighties. Um and when they first started making cars, you know, that actually made some sense because men were um the majority of drivers at that time. But now, at least in America, women make up over half of licensed drivers and women make the majority of consumer decisions when buying a car. Right. Now, you work in the Senate, so you have access to not just political thinkers, but you have access to research and you have access to facts. 
uh, puts you in a, a unique set. So you've discovered there's a long history of the difference between men's injuries and women's injuries. Certainly. Um, and another important fact to think about is, you know, if they did, in fact, design cars for the more vulnerable people, it wouldn't just protect women better, it'd protect everyone better. And the cost passed to consumers for making these desi uh, design decisions would be about $1 per car. Really? Mm -hmm. Which is it, just shocking. Literally, that would save thousands of, of women's lives a year. So where are you now with that? The, the re you've done your research. You, you know what's out there. Your next stop, I suppose, is trying to persuade designers to listen. Is there any sign of that happening? Well, what we're working on right now is just trying to get the government to listen. I mean, I've been working on this and trying to persuade, persuade people for over two years, and it's just kind of been like screaming into the void, honestly. Just no one seems to care. And no matter how many times you you explain that, that all these deaths are completely preventable, people just don't, um, the government just doesn't seem to want to take action. And so at this point, the movement seems to be gaining some momentum, which yeah. is amazing. Um, but, you know, until then, we're just fighting tooth and nail every day to get something done. Like whatever we're persuading politicians and governments, have you made any attempt to persuade the motor industry? Have they responded to your research in any way? They, I would say, the auto industry um, is not super inclined to take the word of a 22-year-old college student. I would say. Um, fair, fair point. If you can imagine why. Um, and, you know, increasing regulations is not in their financial interest because they don't want to admit that they have been prioritizing male safety over female in their cars forever, yeah. essentially. And I think they're also, you know, they've been reluctant to implement any any advanced regulations because it will cost them money to remake these cars. Yeah. Um, I, I had a really wonderful interview with Volvo earlier this fall because they use um, virtual female dummies and they have a few physical female dummies and they see in their cars about equivalent injury and death statistics, although they're trying to get to zero deaths. Um, so it's, it's possible and car companies certainly can and should take it on. But mm. I think ultimately my perspective is that it, it should be, the government government acting yeah. to protect everyone equally. Well, if you look at here in the European Union, there, there are new regulations coming in all the time. And when a regulation is imposed across something like the European Union, then it must be followed by the manufacturers. That would be your hope, wouldn't it, to get a change, just a simple change, like you said, a dollar a car, a simple change in the design of the seatbelt. Right. And, you know, it's not just the seatbelt, it's it's the airbag. It's, you know, honestly, we don't even know all of the adaptations that can and should be made. Um, I'm part of a research ensemble um, in Wisconsin um, that is testing the impact of, of crashes on the average female body. So like the 50th percentile female body in an attempt to figure out exactly what is going on. Because although the government has been funding um, an advanced female dummy since 2003, they they just won't implement it. And so it's like, okay, I guess we got to do this ourselves now. Hmm. What do you study, by the way? I study political science and neuropsychology. So the political science 
side of things. <laughs> it, I, I guess you know how slowly the wheels of politics turn. Exactly. I mean, all of my knowledge essentially has come from the classroom. And while that is so helpful and I feel so privileged to have learned from such incredible professors, there is um, there is certainly a learning curve in terms of, wow, the bureaucracy definitely takes a long time to work. And they also don't tell you about the financial influence of industries in, in the – $256 million spent on lobbying last year by the auto industry, yeah. for example. Yeah. I mean, if someone was paying me $256 million, you know, I think most people would certainly consider that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I understand that. And that has historically been the role that the auto industry has played um, in, you know, as I said, in their reluctance mm. to, to advance these federal regulations. It's against their interest. But I think the important thing to remember is that these aren't just numbers. These aren't just policies. These are real women's lives that are being lost um, in a completely preventable way. Maria, how is your health now? I mean, how long did it take you to recover? Did you make a full recovery? I would say I made um, a pretty full recovery. Um, after the surgery, um, I was hospitalized in Ireland for a little while. Um, and then I came home and I had to take a semester off from college because um, mm. I was on medical leave. Um, and it, it definitely took me a couple a couple months to be able to move the way that um, I'm used to. Yeah. And it, it, def- it made me very grateful to be as able-bodied as I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I am mostly recovered. There's a few funny things like my intestines are a little bit narrower than most people's because of the scar tissue from the surgery. And so I just have to eat a lot of small meals, (laughs) but all things considered, that is a pretty great way to be. So. Isn't it just, I must say you've got a great attitude. I hope that it hasn't put you off returning to Cork at some stage. I would love to return to Cork. We honestly had the most incredible vacation up until the accident and received such a, such wonderful medical care um, that I, you know, I was I was just saying to my mom the other day, like we should definitely try to go back to Ireland, maybe in a bus. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> Maria, it's great to talk with you, and I wish you continued success in your career. And who knows, you may be, uh, and I hate using the word, a vehicle for change. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again to all the people who helped us. That's Maria Kuhn. And she, her gratitude to the nurses and doctors at CUH just spills out. We were chatting off, offline as well for a little while. Interesting one though, isn't it? That, that seatbelts in cars are designed for men because they're designed by men and male dummies are always used. And who knows? Let's see her name on a design in the years to come. 0818 96 96 96. Remember, you heard her voice first. Have you ever been to a gender reveal party? There was a video, was it TikTok? One of the platforms anyway. I saw it. I don't know what it was on. This guy, they had a gender reveal party uh, and this fellow was not happy to discover that um, well, he wasn't having the gender of child he wanted and it went kind of viral and of course it started a whole conversation about gender reveal parties. Have you ever had one? Have you ever been invited to one? Would you have one? Like, what's it all about? Like, it really is the Kardashianization of the world, part 310. 
But Tanya Sweeney has been writing about it in the Irish Independent on the foot of what happened to your men at that reveal party. I'll let you hear that next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Tanya, my own view on these gender reveal parties is that Whoever started them should be sent to the gulags a long time ago. But they are what they are. And we all saw that video during the week. Yeah, well, funnily enough, the woman who who is credited with starting the gender reveal party in the States back in 2008 has actually gone on record to say that she really regrets having one and, and watch, you know, the monstrosity that she essentially created, you know. She said something about the really aggressive energy of, of, of gender. I suppose it's, it's worth saying, you know, in case people don't know what a gender reveal party is. Um, it's basically when a, a pregnant uh, person or couple decide that they are going to throw a big par- party for their nearest and dearest and announce the gender of their forthcoming baby. So they do it with, you know, maybe pink or blue cake or pink or blue balloons or if they're feeling particularly um, profligate, there's, you know, um, airplanes that can do pink and blue kind of, you know, hearts in the sky. I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of the, the spend on these things. But what happens is the, the couple or pregnant person find out at the same time as everybody else, what you know, whether they're having a girl or a boy, basically. You know, so the the TikTok uh, video that everyone is talking about this week involves a, a, a married couple and they have two little daughters age three and one and um, they they have a gender reveal party and the, the smoke comes out from the flare and it's pink, which means a third daughter is on the way. And basically, the husband has an almighty tantrum about this. He'd, he'd obviously hoped, I, I'm guessing, for a son. Yeah. And when he realises daughter number three is on the way, he just, you know, has a, a massive... He turns the air blue uh, when it was already pink. Let's put it that way. And um, it's it's a really, un, you know, it's a really uneasy watch, this video. Yeah. You know, it, it went viral. Lots of people chimed in with, you know, oh, that man shouldn't be having kids at all. You know, if he if he can't be happy either way, what's the point, you know? Um, but it did say a lot about, you know, gender disappointment. And I wrote in the Irish Independent there about, you know, why, you know, gender disappointment is a real thing, yeah. you know, and it's a really shameful thing for parents to to experience. But I mean, it does exist. And, you know, we like to think that, you know, we think of, of babies as genderless and we're hoping to kind of deconstruct gender norms and all that. But at the end of the day, you know, like we've had these kind of gender norms in place for thousands of years. We're Mm. not going to dismantle them overnight, you know? It's kind of the most innocent question you'd ever ask a friend of yours who's expecting, you know, is it a boy or a girl? What would you prefer? And the kind of the old Irish answer was, oh, I don't care as long as it's healthy. Exactly. And that's kind of the socially acceptable thing to say, isn't it? You know, but I think a lot of people, I mean, it depends on where they are in their lives. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've got four boys, put it this way, you know, there's a very good chance that, you know, as a mother or maybe even as a father, you you might like to, you know, experience a daughter because it's a different experience. You know, Um, I know. I mean, I have a friend who whose first child was a boy and she just said, you know, she genuinely was so disappointed by that because she was and her, you know, feeling was I just saw that, you know, images of myself kind of, you know, dressing her up and putting her in dress 
dances and going to shopping together and stuff. Now that all sounds very kind of surface, mm. um, you know, kind of ex- reasons for, for for being disappointed. But I suppose we can't really discount people's feelings either about these things. Mm. You're also kind of not supposed to express a preference, at least publicly. Absolutely, you're not at all. And you know, it's 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 it it really is a bit, you know. Um, I was talking to someone earlier, actually, and they they said that um, their 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 parent had said something about how they had you know wanted a certain gender of of child, and um, the person was really shocked by that, you know. And um, but like you know what, people are only human, and I think the second you find out you're pregnant, you start to imagine you know interacting with this person, raising this person. Um, you know, they they start to kind of form in your mind, and of course, the first thing that you're going to think of is whether they're going to be male or female. You know, mm. so um, finding out definitively, a lot of people leave it as a surprise on the day. You know, yeah. but I think when you find out beforehand, as I did. You know, it's 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 a huge moment, you know, and and if you're disappointed by that, that's kind of okay, you know, like it's it's not a shameful thing. It's kind of part of the human condition as well, Tanya, when you think about it. And this is a very politically incorrect comment for the times we live in, mm. but it is kind of natural for men to want a son and for women to want a daughter. I suppose, yeah. I mean, like, well, I mean, I said this in my piece. I mean, when I got pregnant, I was fully expecting that. I mean, I, this child was jumping around in my womb now like a, an absolute, um, you know, good thing. And I thought, well, that's obviously a boy because, you know, um, and again, you know, forcing gender stereotypes on a child that was only conceived weeks previous. <laughs> but, you know, I remember I went and, and got a scan and I was told you know, first off that everything was looking well and, and, you know, the baby was healthy. And then when the healthcare professional said it was a girl, I just was delighted. Mm. And, you know, I was, I was so, I was excited about this baby being a boy as well and the challenges that that would bring. But, you know, I, I'd lost my mom in 2011, so I didn't have a mother-daughter relationship. I really missed having a mother-daughter relationship. And, you know, this baby being a girl meant I was going to have another mother-daughter relationship in my life again. So that's, you know, what really made me happy, you know. But I yeah. and, and you're right, you know, it's awful to kind of admit to, to, to preferences. But I do think a lot of men, you know... Um, there's something about having a son that is a different thing in their mind to having a daughter. Now, listen, we are trying to dismantle these gender expectations and gender norms, as we probably should. But, you know, these are, this is biology. I I have a son and I have a daughter. I have wonderful relationships with both of them. Thankfully, now they're grown up, now they're in their 20s. But they're totally different relationships, both of which I treasure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So which one did you have first? The twins. Oh, they're twins. There you go. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because I do wonder if, you know, if you have one gender, uh, what you know, the first time round, I do wonder if people then really hope for the the opposite gender the second time round because they want to have a different experience of <laughs> parenting or or maybe they want to have the same experience of parenting. I don't know. We've all met the, the family that had four kids and kept going four of one and kept going for one of the other. Of course. Well, look at the Beckhams. I mean, it's so funny because you hear sometimes these celebrity stories. I mean, I do remember um, Danielle Lloyd hearing a lot of stories about how she went for actually gender selection uh, through gender selection process when she got pregnant. And everyone thought this was an awful thing to be doing, you know, and, mm. you know, tampering with nature and all of that. But I mean, the truth is she, she'd she had maybe three or four boys by then and she, she, she wanted to have a little girl, mm. you know. And it's a perfectly human thing and nothing to be judged upon.
but I, I certainly wouldn't have a gender reveal party myself if I had my time around. Oh gosh, would you? Not a chance. Oh no way. Oh, and listen to me. They're a really showy. It's an, it's another Americanism coming in, and ugh, you know, I just think they're they're really showy. They're really narcissistic. They really look at me, you know, which isn't my style at all, you know. And like you say, if you're a little bit disappointed, you know, then it's not great to be surrounded by your entire social circle for that. Probably the lesson for the dad in this video we're talking about is, you know, keep it to yourself until the camera's turned off. Yeah. Exactly. Or maybe, you know, don't have a camera there. Or if the video is like that, maybe don't put it online. I don't know. Tanya, good talking to you. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. Tanya Sweeney from the Irish Independent. Uh, At the end of the day, nobody cares what you're having. They just make me cringe once the baby's healthy. That is all that matters. Yeah. Has anybody listening had or been at a gender reveal party? Like, I'd just love to know what they're like, because I've never been invited to one. I don't think anybody would bother having me at one, but you know, if, if you've ever been at one or ever had one. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, the second Ed gig tonight and the weather looks very much like it will hold... Uh, it will almost certainly hold again. I'm just looking at the ever-reliable dark sky here. It, it certainly held yesterday, as predicted. And the word is, yes, it will hold again for this evening. It'll be a bit duller and a bit more cloudy than it was last night. But uh, no mention of rain anywhere on the forecast, at least, uh, tonight. I can't, you know, I have a funny feeling there'll be a lot of barbecues uh, up the north side tonight. Particularly if you have a clear vision down towards the river and down towards the park because by all accounts as I said earlier on Ed didn't just play last night to 35,000 people in the park he played to about 135,000 people because whatever way the wind was blowing and of course the sound at an open air gig goes right up into the air everyone on the north side could hear the show well it's been barbecue lads beer burgers you know anyone up for it? 0818 96 96 96. A couple of comments coming in on gender reveal. Get to those. Just a, a news story there. We may catch up with them before the end of the show. We may not. But just to let you know, the family members of Owen Cora, the residence families, are, are about to hand in a letter to the office of the Taoiseach. As you know, we've been following the Owen Curry story since it broke. God, it's nearly a year ago now. It, we got word of it here last summer and we've been following it since uh, chapter by chapter by chapter and it's still not over, far from it in fact, and there's been a call now recently from the HSE's own health, or the sorry, the Oireachtas' own health committee is effectively calling on the closure to be reversed, is looking at the, the 
minister to try and reverse the closure, but the HSE is determined to go ahead with it, and it's a story we'll come back to um, anytime we need to. But the residents' families have written a comprehensive letter and are handing it in today to Hall Martin's office. We'll follow that one also with interest. 0818 96 96 96. Now, today is National Workplace Wellbeing Day. I know there's a day for everything. There is like a day for everything these days. But this is National Workplace Wellbeing Day. And I believe Ireland is one of the only countries that actually has one that is formally named as such and where workplaces actually get to do something for promotion of well-being on that particular day. And one man who talks a lot in his work about being well in your workplace and the importance of a comfortable workplace and the importance of a workplace where you are cared about it's a man I've not had the pleasure of speaking to for many years uh, on the opinion line or indeed in person and that's the great Michael O'Doherty Michael good morning Good morning PJ, lovely to chat to you again It's been a while my friend, it's, it's, it's been a while and, and your business and your, your bioenergy network uh, has just grown and grown and grown You have a model that you're promoting in the workplace for well-being called Triple Eight What's that? Well, look, I suppose over the years, as you know, um, I've been involved in healthcare. And one of the key things is that when people come into my clinic, um, I have three questions that I ask them all. One, where is their problem coming from? Two, how is it affecting them? And three, how are they dealing with it? Now, obviously, if we don't answer the first question, we're never going to resolve the problem. But the one thing that I started to notice, uh, because I wanted to look at you know, modern research, uh, scientific research around, uh, you know, time and energy and all of that kind of stuff that was going on around the world. And particularly in the U.S., they were they had begun to identify in 2014 that the wellness programs that were being brought in to the workplace had failed. Now, there was a number of reasons for that. One was that they weren't uh, uh, driven from the top. Two, that it was kind of lunch and learn, break and learn, and that people uh, really weren't really benefiting. They were sitting down, listening to the talk, but they were having the Coke and the sandwich at the same time. So it was kind of a, you know, there was really no monitoring of the programs. Mm. So they did, an, they did statistical analysis and they discovered, which is well published and well documented, uh, even in the Journal of Medi- uh, American Medical Association, uh, where they found that statistically that the, the difference between those who attended those uh, programs and those who uh, didn't, that there was very little difference. Now, <clears throat> it was simply because of those reasons that I stated. So what I started to see coming into my clinic was, uh, you know, I put a whiteboard up on the tape on the, on the wall and I wanted to look at people's model of living. And the, what I was noticing was that people were getting up, let's say, for example, somebody was getting up at seven o'clock in the morning. They were ending up coming home from work at seven o'clock in the evening. Now, these, some people would be self-employed. Some of them would be employed, but it would be employees yeah. and, and, and whatever. And so, so that was from seven to seven. That was 12 hours. They were going to bed maybe at 11 at latest and getting up at seven. That was eight hours. Mm-hmm. So there's 24 hours in a day. So 12 and 8 is 20. So they had four hours for themselves. 
So then I started breaking that down and saying, <clears throat> okay, so in that you had 12 hours working, you had eight hours sleeping, and you had, or maybe seven hours sleeping, and you had four or five hours for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now how much time of that was spent maybe going to the gym, in the on the phone, or whatever the case may be. And then I took the next step down and I started looking at people's uh, sort of model of eating or behavior around their eating. And suddenly it's the, it's the coffee and the croissant in the morning, it's the break in the mid-morning, maybe fasting in the morning, maybe not having a proper lunch or sandwich or something like that, <clears throat> you know, not taking the proper time for the lunch, not taking the proper breaks, and suddenly, and then getting into the car and driving maybe an hour home. Mm. And, and, and that doesn't, and then that doesn't take into consideration a sick member of family at home, a sick child, or you might be issues, you might have issues yourself at home. And when you when you when you pile all that on, and you look at the stress that that causes, mm. okay, then you see that people's time management is 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 just not sufficient because there's no time for themselves. So when you when you pile all the other stuff, the poor eating and the other stresses, then this leads to stress mm. in the body. And when the body gets stressed, PJ, it's then we lay the foundation for all the different types of disease that mm-hmm. come into my clinic and, and then that are in doctor surgeries this morning. A certain amount of stress, Michael, and, and looking at the, the theory that you, that you espouse there, it's all great, but a certain amount of stress is normal because we don't all have that amount of time. We have families, we have jobs to do, <coughs> we have people yeah. to collect from other, other stuff. We have problems, particularly at this moment in time, Many families listening to us this morning, Michael, are, you know, they're not so much trying to make ends meet as get them to at least yeah. wave at each other now and again. Yeah. There's an inbuilt stress there. <clears throat> People are taking <throat> on a second job in the corner shop at the Saturdays yeah. to make a few quid. So is this plan of yours, is it practical? Can you do it? Oh, absolutely. It's practical. And, and, and particularly for people who end up ill, the key to it is when you get ill, time becomes relevant. That's the saddest thing about it. For the first time, you know, when people get sick and end up maybe with some serious disease or get burnt out or, you know, end up suffering from depression and anxiety, you know, medication can't be the solution. The second thing that we have to learn to manage is our energy. If we can't manage our time, we can't, we, we have to manage our energy. Mm. So what happens is we start substituting, uh, getting our energy from stimulants. So <clears throat> it's a very good question you're asking, you know, that we have to, throughout the day, all I'm saying to people is this. We, we now know scientifically and medically that every hour and a half that the body goes into recovery, okay? If we could take 15 minutes in the morning just to relax, if we could take our lunchtime as in one to two to sit down, to have our lunch and have that for ourselves, get out and get a walk in the fresh air, if we could take 15 minutes in the afternoon, now that's one hour for yourself in the day. Mm. So we might think, oh, I'll take a break and I'll go and I'll have a coffee. But what about if you took a break and you sat down and you just did a little bit of breathing and relaxing and you went outside in the fresh air and just forgot about the phone, don't be connecting to, t- to situations that are not relevant. It's about taking these little intermittent short-term, even five minutes. Right. Because if we, if we allow the day's stresses to layer, Okay, we're going to be good for for nobody, not even ourselves. So the whole idea is that we need to learn to manage our energy and manage our time. What I'm saying to people is this: one plus one point six million plus people are, you know, waiting for hospital appointments. Yeah. Don't end up at the back of that queue. What do we? What can we do 
to prevent that. And this is the great thing in workplace. What I'm seeing are people coming in from the workplace, employees. And you're right. Society, unfortunately, has forced uh, people to go out and to uh, get two jobs. You know, husband and wife has to work. So life is a continuous stress. And the problem is when you're continuously stressed and you adapt to that as a normality, our body starts firing out all the stress hormones. And here's what happens. The gut tightens. When the gut tightens, the serotonin pathway, because 80% of our serotonin is produced in our gut, mm-hmm. when that serotonin pathway is altered, that in turn converts to melatonin. So what happens is our sleepy. mood goes down. Yeah, exactly. So, But the thing is, our, our mood goes down when that serotonin pathway becomes disrupted because of our stress and poor time management and lacking energy and pushing ourselves all the time. It means we're not producing the, 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 the actual uh, uh, serotonin in our gut. What happens then, of course, we're not converting that to melatonin. So now we have low mood, low energy, poor sleep. And this is just a cycle that society is in. And the bottom line, when we look at the serious increases in diseases, I mean, we just got to go back and just find little bits of time throughout our day. As I said, five minutes, five minutes in the hour. Time for you, you, PJ, because it's it's no good waiting until you get sick. When a doctor says to you, you have an autoimmune disease, you have a rheumatology issue, you have depression, you have cancer, you're burnt out, and you're saying, God, I've got to keep going. So what I'm saying is, yes, you can recover, number one, but number two, Oh, there's this model that they operate with in, um, in, in the military and they call it the three-foot world, okay? okay? So if everybody out there if everybody out there was listening now and say, no matter what stress you're under, operate the three-foot world. Now I'll explain it again why they come up with this idea. But the two key points it talks about in the three-foot world is this. One, focus on what matters and focus on on what you're in control of. If you focus on what matters, you, your life, your family, your health, your job. But what happens is we start focusing our time and energy, PJ, on things that are not relevant. What's happening in Afghanistan and Iran or America, they're not relevant. We start concerning ourselves with, you know, maybe members of our family that, you know, are causing us stresses and issues. We concern ourselves with issues down the road or someplace else that have no relevance in our life. So if we focus our energies only on what matters and then take control of what we're in control of, take the little breaks, work with good nutrition, you know, Try to get as much time to relax, cut away from the phone in the evenings and get out and walk in nature. That's how we rebuild and recuperate and regenerate. Yeah. Michael, I think before I let you go, I think lockdown, there was a lesson in lockdown for for some of us. I I know it was a lesson personally now, only personally here. There were many times in lockdown where you were sitting there with nothing to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have to rid yourself of this guilt that I'm not doing anything. Because what I did during lockdown was I actually took a specific time in my day to do nothing, (laughs) to do absolutely nothing. And the joy of doing nothing is a skill we should all learn, correct? Look, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, uh, you know, agree with you more and more. Society has bought into this thing that we need to be doing, 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 doing. The triple eight model I'm talking about is eight hours living, eight hours working, eight hours sleeping. If we can't do enough in eight hours, 
If we, we have to live. At the moment, people are not living, they're existing. And you're right. If we can get that five minutes in the mid, 15 minutes mid morning, our lunchtime, our afternoon, our evening, just to sit down and just listen to ourselves, meet ourselves, say hello to ourselves, you know, sit down as a family, no phones, no television, eat together cook together, go back to doing simple, basic things. And you know that the other thing about it, you talk about sitting down, PJ, and just being quiet and relax and have your own time. Like the other thing about it is that, you know, people don't have fun in their lives anymore. Everything seems to be so serious. It's, you know, everything is about social acceptance, not self-acceptance. It's nothing is about having fun in life anymore. You know, where you go out and you just have a bit of crack and, you know, enjoy life and chill out and, you know, but everything is so serious about yeah. political correctness. It's about being serious and you can't say this and you can't post that. And it's continuously, you know, watching what you're doing and saying. I think the world has gone crazy uh, at the moment. I think we've, we've, we're trying to be too perfect in a world that we just cannot be perfect in. Yeah. And uh, I just think we need to go back to simple, basic things in life and take some time for ourselves, eat good food, relax. And like you said, PJ, you're so right. Sit down, breathe. And take time for you. You know, Michael, I've, I've often um, thought about talking to you again on the program. I'm glad we had <coughs> done today. I'd like to talk again. Time is short for me this morning, but glad you're here with us. Michael O'Doherty, his website is fascinating and what his work has done is amazing. Thank you very much. That's Michael O'Doherty. Just marking the fact that today is National Workplace Wellbeing Day. And uh, it was just a very personal thing. During lockdown, during the last couple of years, uh, the one joy that I learned to take was the joy of doing absolutely nothing. Just nothing. And if it's only for five minutes, do nothing. You'll get to love it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Straight from our soil to your table. Griffin's Potatoes are simply nutritious and delicious. Quartz 96 FM. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manis and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cork's 
we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. A lot of people talking at the moment about collagen. Just one quick Google. You'll find loads and loads of articles about collagen. And I don't know why, but we'll find out in a while. But apparently there's a whole thing going on about collagen. I mean, it's to do with your skin. Now, with me, it's sandpaper and parazone. It's just about what I can handle. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about collagen a little bit later on this morning. But I want to focus for a few minutes on, on education. There's a lovely saying, or it's not a saying, it's a quote from a man called Paolo Freire who once said, education does not change the world. Education changes people. And people change the world. Now, Dr. Deirdre McGillicuddy is a mother of three primary school children, also a primary school teacher, and an assistant professor of education in University College Dublin. And Deirdre, you've been writing about this. You believe, I think, that learning to build relationships is as important in our education system as learning our spellings and our reading and our writing. Good morning. Oh, good morning, PJ, and thanks so much for having me on your show. Um, I love that quote from Paolo Freire, and I think, you know, absolutely, we need to um, focus as much on relationships as we should do on the three R's, the reading, the writing, and the arithmetic, as, as it was, once would have been called. Mm. Um, and I think what I was talking about in my piece in the Irish Times was, you know, that those relationships are really important because in a classroom, those relationships are the foundation upon which teaching and learning happens. Um, and of course, you know, relationships teach us a lot about ourselves and teach us how to interact in our lives and to shape the world around us. Mm. Yeah. You know, when you learn in school, a couple of things you learn, you learn to make friends. You're, you're first, there are people, I know people my age who still have some of their primary school friends and it's wonderful to see. But you also learn, isn't it your first relationship with authority too. It is. It absolutely is. Absolutely. You're so right there. Um, and I think that school plays a critical role actually in teaching children how to, I suppose, um, be active citizens in our society. So it's not about that sort of top-down education that we should, you know, that we have to do what we're told and sit and be quiet in the classroom. We actually have to teach children how to be agents for themselves in their learning and in their lives as well. Um, And school plays a really important role in that. And I think relationships are really important in terms of teaching children about how to be active agents in our society as well, Mm. you know. Um, Because you have to remember, go ahead, sorry, PJ. I would always have thought that a well-structured school system is a very important thing for a child because you're going out into a world that's full of structures and full of systems. So if you're in school, you need to learn in school how structures and systems work in a way that's appropriate to your age, be you four or 14. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I think we, we live in a, a society of structures. You're absolutely right. Um, but I also think it's important for children to know that they can be agents of change as well within those structures yeah. and that they can have a voice and be able to shape what happens in those institutions. And I think I, I very be very passionate about that, you know, that children have a voice and, and can say what they think and that what they say is taken and, and listened to and acted upon to actually make changes within the system, you know. Um, and I think classrooms are brilliant places or sites for learning like that. Mm. Where children can have a voice and, and, and sort of counteract, I suppose, some of the the, in, the systems that we have in our society. Mm. Um, but again, relationships are key to that. You focused in your piece on the effect of the closure of schools during the pandemic when God they were closed and open again and closed again and open yeah. again and you know every child psychologist was saying well this will be the effect and that will be the effect but I think we're only now seeing what that effect was. Absolutely um, I think physical school closures had a huge impact on our children and it was interesting at the time PJ because I really felt that children's voices were silenced during that piece that time when the schools were closed we didn't hear much from them but I'm certainly hearing from teachers that you know a lot of the work that they have been doing since they um, have been back in school has been around rebuilding relationships um, and rebuilding relationships between the children themselves between the teacher and the children and, and that's been quite a process for some children and then you know we have to remember as well there are some children who had very disrupted early childhood experiences in the ECE year mm. so they actually came to school without the skills and um, that perhaps they would have had if they'd had a full kind of year in preschool so junior infant teachers may be reporting that children are having difficulty maybe sitting down or it's taken longer for them to settle in into school this year. It has, has taken them on, of course, now we're well into the school year. But, you know, the expertise shown by teachers and by special needs assistance in supporting children coming back into that school environment to rebuilding those relationships has been incredible, you know. And I think that's one of the things we have to remember that teachers and SNAs and school communities, they're experts at this, you know. They, they really look out for the children and prioritise that. You're a big supporter of the DESH school system. I am, yeah. <laughs> I am indeed. Um, I'm actually, a, I, I worked in a DESH school for, for a long time in one of the most um, socioeconomically disadvantaged areas in Dublin and feel very passionately about the communities. Um, I think they're absolutely amazing. Um, and I think the scheme, it, it is, I mean, it has got its limitations. We can be critical of it, but I think it does provide resources that help support our children and young people, you know, uh, you know, meet their potential. Um, and some of the interventions and the supports that they have, such as the school completion programme, or the homeschool community liaison teacher, they play really critical roles in, in building relationships and developing relationships and supporting young people and keeping them in education. Mm. Because for sure, education is the key, you know, for, for young people mm. in their lives, whether it's that they become a doctor or whether it is that they, I don't know, do whatever they want and follow their dreams, you know. Mm. Um, it doesn't really matter where you end up in your life. Education, I think, 
brings you to that point. Um, yeah, so, so uh, death is a really important skill. It's an uncomfortable yeah. statistic, lastly, Deirdre. It's an uncomfortable statistic that about 10 to 15% of kids don't actually finish school. Uh, and yeah. is there a way we can tackle that? Is there a way we can fix that? Yeah, I think um, I think we've done a good job. I think we're doing a good job at identifying the gaps. Um, and I think there are interventions that have been put in place, such as the school completion programme to help and keep young people engaged in education. But the key for me is about young people feeling that they belong in school. And your fellow Corkonian, uh, Don O'Leary from ah. the Cork Life Centre. Ah. Oh, he's amazing, isn't he? That's why, amazing, that's why I went down this road. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, good. Because he speaks very passionately and eloquently about this. And the importance of young people feeling that they belong and they're cared for in school is so important because, you know, you want to you want to want to go to school, you know, and you want to feel cared about in school. And if you can't be yourself and if you're not accepted for who you are and, and in your authentic self, you know, then, you know, that's going to turn you off going to school. And I think places like the Cork Life Centre play a key and critical role in supporting young people who find that more formal, if you like, institution that you referred to earlier, difficult to engage with. Um, so they're really important places too. All right. Great to speak with you. Dr. Deirdre McGillicuddy. Um, she is an assistant professor in education at University College Dublin, but also a teacher and a mum of three school-going children. Thank you, Deirdre. 0818969696. If that's not an endorsement from high levels of academia for the fantastic work of our Life Centre in Cork, I don't know what is. 0818969696. A couple of messages I need to clear. Um, on seatbelts, instead of a whole focus on a female-specific dummy for testing seatbelts, this is in response to Maria a student who was on holidays here in 2019 involved in a car crash and the seatbelt saved her life but also nearly killed her and now she's researching how you might properly design a seatbelt for women. Instead of a whole focus on a specific female dummy for testing, why not suggest a range of sizes and weights? Women generally have wider pelvises but among women that also varies widely too and age narrows your pelvis trans women for example might have a different makeup due to hormones and you're right caller and there are some cars i've noticed this one or two of the cars i've had where you can actually put the top end of the seat belt into different positions uh, to suit your your body shape and your body size uh, but the bottom can't you can't do that with the bottom so that's a very good point that you make Debbie was talking about gender reveal parties Debbie Downer, she says It's a bit of a, a side issue But I have a question I went to a gender reveal party But I thought it was a baby shower So I bought a gift I was late So they'd cut the coloured cake by the time I got there But I saw a whole pile of gifts I don't know if people are expected to bring gifts For a gender reveal event Or if the parents then expect a second round of gifts For a baby shower Screw that if I have to get two. <laughs> Never thought of it that way. 0818 96 96 96. Also, a very grateful mom has been on to us uh, to talk about the very nice people at the concert last night, at the Ed Sheeran concert, who just helped out her daughter. It was her daughter's first event, first gig on her own. And I'll read that to you in a wee while. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Known for his rock and roll inspired solo albums, as well as his contributions to internet funk sensation Wolfpack, acclaimed singer-songwriter Theo Katzman comes to Cork in August for a show at Cypress Avenue on the 26th. Tickets are on sale now from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Releasing her first new music since 2020, Sharon Van Etten comes to Cork Opera House on June 23rd as part of Cork Midsummer Festival 2022. It's part of a new programme of events coming up during the festival in June with more details at corkmidsummer.com. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us now on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. If you're wondering why a big snooker fan like me isn't talking about the World Snooker Championships, well, the thing is, they kind of say, PJ, you could spend the whole day talking about it, so don't. I will be later. I will be talking a little bit about the World Snooker Champs uh, later on uh, in the morning, uh, if you have an interest and you know what I'm like. But I'm watching it right now and I'm getting very worried about Mark Williams. Getting very worried about him. He's 8-2 down to Judd Trump and Trump is playing like a man possessed. But we'll come back to it. Why are so many people talking about uh, collagen? It's been around since forever as a kind of a treatment for your skin. But a lot of social media stuff, people promoting collagen and collagen and saying to women that they need to get into using collagen and here are the benefits of what it is and what it does. And it's very, very popular. But most of the people that you say, okay, do you use collagen? Well, well I don't even know what it is. What's it for? How does it work? Um, should I be using it or should I not? Now, as I said earlier on, as someone who just about manages to use Parazone and a wire brush on my skin, I'm sure I'm as far from collagen I was reared. But Mary Jane, why is it so popular and, and what does it do for you? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, the Parazone and the wire brush. I mean, that's a bit 80s now. Surely, <laughs> surely you have a, surely you have an Olivia face wash or something that would do you would do that. <laughs> <laughs> sure the Queen Bee has something she could give you a loan of she's as bad as myself um, so so collagen occurs naturally in our body like it's it's a hard insoluble um, protein that makes up one third of the human body so it's kind of like the scaffold that holds all our tendons and our muscles and our skin together um, and it would have been kind of pop like collagen, I think, kind of came like in the 80s in as, as a humectant product, which is like a, a product um, in, say, things like moisturizers and serums and um, because it was found to hold moisture uh, as a humectant in the skin very, very well. Right. And anybody that I suppose works in skincare or that is into skincare will tell you that hydrated skin looks the best if that makes sense so Mm -hmm. you know even if your skin is oily once it's hydrated kind of from the inside and a little bit on the outside it'll look healthier and smoother 
um, and it'll help kind of with wrinkles and that sort of thing. So once once the it helps with the appearance of wrinkles. So then collagen has now become very popular to take as a supplement. And the most important, the, the most popular type of one is a hydrolyzed one because it's broken down mm-hmm. collagen to take it. It's in it's naturally occurs in things like fish skin and chicken skin and stuff. Okay. But it can be hard for the body to absorb it, particularly if, like me, you have a bit of a delicate tummy or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Mary Jane, p- what does it actually do in the body? I know it's naturally occurring, like you said, but what's yeah. its actual role in, say, the texture of your skin or how your skin looks and feels? So the the, the co- collagens that we have in our skin, we have different types of them, um, are kind of flexible um, and they keep the skin supple and um it's like it's it's used in all our tendons and all our um connective tissue so okay. it's like it makes up about a third of the skin so it's it's a something that we all need and it's something that's naturally occurring in our body so it's not something that you have to take um you know when a doctor would say to you that it, it's naturally occurring and all that but it does it definitely helps um it's a t- like because it's a type of protein like you will hear a lot of people talking about protein shakes but now there's been a big move towards people um, taking collagen after workout to promote muscle recovery. Okay. Um, so that that is kind of that is kind of how it works. Um, and the reason that that I would take it is that I feel that my skin feels better, and I have psoriasis, which is like a, a like an autoimmune thing. Yeah. It's just a, it's like dry, flaky skin, and I I find when I'm taking a collagen supplement, it'll help it, but. The most um, kind of readily form of collagen that's available is marine collagen. And I don't, my body doesn't really tolerate fish very well. So you can get vegan. There's a brand called Swedish Collagen and they do a vegan one, which is um, a little bit more easily tolerated by my body, we'll say. But the most popular form of it is either liquid. You can get it in capsules, but they, they, I suppose the companies think that you should take it in a powder or a liquid form because it's more readily available for your body and that's the that's where the hydrolyzed one comes in then because it's it's more easily absorbed but it definitely does help with the appearance of things like fine lines and wrinkles and a lot of the time people think that collagen is what they inject into your body when they do fillers and stuff mm. that's not the case at all collagen is a naturally occurring uh-huh. Um, protein in your body. Uh-huh. So I did think that then, I, I thought that's you know when people do get fillers and get their lips filled and all that kind of thing. I think yeah. I, I thought that was collagen. It's not, no. No, no, no. It, that's high. It's a hyaluronic acid, which is also a naturally occurring um, product in, in your uh, body. Um, but um, the supplements like are I, I find them very good. And then like top, like top, like so normal foods we'll say that you eat every day that contain collagen. Um, would be bone broth has become. Have you heard people taking bone broth? Because uh, there's a lot of collagen in that. My mammy used to make bone soup. Yes. Well, you can buy it now. I think the chicken in have it. Um, it's like um, you can bone broth, and because there's gelatin in that, um, it's that's gelatin is a protein that's derived from collagen after right. it's cooked, basically. I got you. I so. Got you. Um, so you can take it naturally, and then if you, a lot of the um, a lot of the collagen supplements have vitamin C in them as well, because you need vitamin C for collagen synthesis, so for your body to process the collagen. Mm. So there you go now, and then there's loads of products that have that you can use that have a bit of collagen in it, and that helps with 
like say if you had dry skin or anything like that, mm. if you put on a, a collagen body lotion, um, then you it, it helps with kind of smoothing out the surface of your skin on, on a temporary basis, if that makes sense. So like when you put it in, yeah. it helps obviously kind of a bit more long term, but definitely the first time you put something that has collagen in it, you'll find that your skin feels smoother, you know? Okay. Okay. Listen, it's so a, a, every, every day is a school day, MJ. Thanks very much. Every that, day that, is a school that's day. why they're all talking about. I think I'll change the parazone. <laughs> I'd say I'd say you might want to give the parazone a miss at and find something with. And the other thing as well that that uh, collagen supplements are good for is if you've got joint pain, ah. like a lot of the the yeah, because it helps support your joints. Um, so a lot of people use it kind of post surgery and stuff like that to help recover. Okay. help in recovery so there you go there you go alright Mary Jane thanks she's been writing about it in the Cork Independent which is uh, out now uh, strengthen and straighten your skin out with collagen thanks very much Mary Jane O'Regan 0818 96 96 96 I'm going to a sip and a what? I'm going to a sip and see apparently it's after the baby's born I've no idea what to expect Help, that's a totally new one on me. What's a sip and see? People are messaging now to tell me what a sip and see is. It sounds like the weirdest thing of all. It sounds like a wine tasting <laughs> when a baby's born, which you could live with that too. 0818 96 96 96. Now, you talk about pivoting from one line of work to another. Angela Nuttlings, you went from being an art therapist to a sourdough micro-baker. Was it a lockdown project or what was it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, no, not really a lockdown project. I've always baked sourdough, um, really, since the, since I arrived in Ireland. I'm German. Yeah. So um, I really missed the good German bread when I moved to Ireland 25 years ago. So I've always baked sourdough for myself. And um, then it was in July, it just kind of happened in July that I listened to a podcast and I came across the word microbakery and Rothko, which is a particular oven. So I looked a little bit more into this and I was just kind of at a point with my other work with the art therapy in an acute mental health unit in Cork where I just thought something needs to change. I've been doing it for 21 years Mm. And um, then just thought, okay, micro bakery sounds good. So um, I started selling a few loaves at work Mm -hmm. and uh, it has grown from there. So from six loaves to about 60 loaves per sale. Um, It's been quite exciting. You sent some samples into us and I may tell you that didn't last one day in my house. (laughs) It's gorgeous. It's really lovely. Really. It's full of absolutely bursting, bursting with flavor. Um, you also make a point that there's a thing be, there's a thing about real bread, that this yes. is real bread. So define what's real bread and what's not then. Yeah, real bread really is um, bread that has the essentials, which is flour, water and salt. Good bread, real bread doesn't need anything but that. So um, there is, I'm part of the um, a group called Real Bread Island. Mm-hmm. I really encourage people to look up their website and it's a, a group of bakers, Irish bakers, that advocate real bread, which is bread without preservatives, additives and improvers. So unfortunately, the situation, even in Germany, um, for in most bakeries or shop-bought bread, uh, when you look up the ingredients, there's about 13 plus ingredients in bread. And a lot of those 
are actually not really good for our health. Um, so I encourage people, your listeners as well now, from now on to actually check labels and see what's in the bread that they eat. Mm. When all really good bread actually needs is flour, water and salt and that's it. That's all. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. all. You can make really, really good bread with this. And a lot of my customers actually say, like, I've got a few um, customers who come back to me and say, Uncle, I can eat bread again. I can finally enjoy bread again. Yeah. It always gave me bloating and pains in my stomach, IBS yeah. symptoms. Now I'm able to enjoy bread again. Yeah. So cinnamon buns, by the way, ah, stop. They're, ne- they're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're next level good. They're, they're, they really are. Oh, now gosh. you're looking for a place to set up a little stall, are you? Um, I have a stall already on a Saturday. The Brian Dillon's uh, GAA Club up in Mayfield is where it's where I live as well. So I really like and enjoy selling my bread to locals. So the Brian Dillon's GAA Club have been fantastic. They've been so supportive. So they uh, offered me to have a stall there on a Saturday from half 10 to half 12, um, which has been going really well. And they now offered me as well to have a stall there to try it out on a Wednesday between one and three. So at the moment, I, I should be good for a space. Um, uh, it's going to be next Wednesday that I'll be there for the first time. Now we can see your work on Instagram, Rise and Shine, R-Y-E-S and Shine. That's right, yeah, because yeah, I like rye bread. <laughs> yeah, and can you order from you online or what's the story? Um, I have a, so far, like it's it's grown from so small to already quite big. So I have a WhatsApp group where people can text me what they want. I always regularly um, kind of let people know what's on offer because I change it as well. Sometimes there's something like a beetroot bread or mm. there's the weekend deluxe with chocolate chips and cherries mm. and toasted pecans and so on. So I try to offer different breads as well and give and really get people to taste the whole grain breads as well, like 100% rye bread, which is one of the, the breads that you had. Um, so just to push people a little bit as well, to push people's taste buds a bit, because once you get used to better bread, to real bread, you will actually enjoy the whole grain as well. And you will find that it satisfies you a lot more. So you won't eat, have to eat a half a loaf. You know, you can eat two or three slices and you'll be satisfied and nourished. All right, Angela, good luck with it. That's uh, Angela Nuttling's Rise and Shine, R-Y-E-S and Shine, uh, a local bakery based in Mayfield, Sourdough, real bread, she says. Real bread. Try it, and it is good. It is really, really good. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 9696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I heard that clip of Ed talking about his Cork relatives and that he has lots of relatives in Cork and that he loves them very much. Is anybody listening who knows who they are or where they live? I was joking earlier on with Moira that maybe some people think, ah, no, no, like Sheehan is a kind of a misspelling on the birth cert and I'm actually Sheeran, you know. <laughs> but is there anybody in, that knows they're actually related to, to Ed Sheeran or knows someone who actually is related to, to Ed? Look to find them. Be nice, wouldn't it? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Apart from that gig, there's another gig on uh, coming up in May. 
Imelda May, the wonderful Imelda May is back in Cork in May and she'll be at the Opera House and I'll be chatting with her later on this hour talking about many things including I'm going to ask her about because at the time we mentioned it uh, her friendship her close close friendship with the late great Meatloaf staying with music did you know we have a, a musical postman we have here at 96FM we have a musical postman Miles Gaffney the great Miles Gaffney is our postman and with the Casey Taylor fight up on Saturday night looks like it's going to be the very very late hours of Saturday night that that fight is on it's on that D-A-Z-N thing or Dazen no one knows how to pronounce it you have to and you have to buy it cost you a few quid but it's on and Miles has written a song uh, called Katie Taylor to get you in the mood for that fight which will probably be in the early hours of Sunday morning if you look up Miles Gaffney music you'll find it alright Miles Gaffney music M-Y-L-E-S Gaffney good luck with that Miles few more things I'll get to the sip and see explanation in a little while I mentioned maybe is it a wine test you're not wrong actually it could well be there'd almost certainly be drink involved at a sip and see there almost certainly would be drink involved 0818 96 96 96 we had people on from the West Cork Sudbury School back in 2019 it's coming up three years ago now it would have been early July of 2019, we were discussing the concept of a Sudbury school and the plan, hopefully anyway at least, to set up a Sudbury school in West Cork. It's it's a different kind of school. It's it's managed in a different way, and they're now taking admissions and applications for September of 2022. They have an open day coming up on the 5th of May from 1 until 2.30. They also have a, a website westcorksudburyschool.ie so they've come a long way from where they were with just an idea back in 2019. Jason, uh, Jessica rather, Mason Little joins me. Hi, Jessica, hi. good morning to you. Just before... Good morning. Uh, re- recap for me briefly, if you can, what a Sudbury school actually is. So a Sudbury school is a form of a democratic school. The name comes from the original Sudbury school is Sudbury Valley, which is in uh, Massachusetts in America. And that's actually been running for over 50 years now. And what differentiates it from other kinds of um, democratic? So by democratic, that means that the staff and students have an equal say in the running of the school. Um, But a Sudbury in particular, uh, it's based on self-directed learning. So there's no prescribed curriculum. The students can choose how they spend their time and what educational uh, path they follow. Uh, And another key aspect of it is free age mixing. So there's no separation by age within the school. Do they do their own subject subject choices? Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of throw out all idea of school you have to de-school yourself because you know we imagine school that we go we sit in the classroom we're taught things this is really based on following your own passions your interests and so you would choose well what you spend your time doing and we put a high value on play because as social beings and as mammals we we learn so much through playing and it can often be really undervalued 
So it makes it sound like the kids come to school and can do anything they want all day. But it's actually within the framework of the school, we have agreements, we have the school meetings. So there's a structure within that, but their educational path is their choice. They will follow what they're interested in. Yeah, a lot of people might look at that idea and say, how, how is that going to work? Everyone going their own way. <laughs> Well, it's tried and tested. So, you know, we're not the first people doing this, thankfully. And they were very brave, the people who first started doing this. Um, It works because just like in life, you know, we all end up finding the things that interest us and the things that, you know, we choose our career paths in life. We find the things that interest us. But at the same time, it's not a vacuum. You know, it's not an empty thing. We have a STEM room. We have an art room. We have a music room. We have... um, you know, we have different spaces within the school where learning resources are available. We have things going on all the time. So, for example, uh, yesterday we went on a river field trip to look at the ecology in the Kamhola River. So there's stuff going on all the time which will spark students' interest. And part of the staff's job is to be there as a support and to kind of help them work out what am I interested in? How do I want to pursue that? What do I want to do with my time? It sounds like it would be very good preparation for the whole university concept where you're you're kind of landed at the gate of the university with a place on a course and, and, and after that you're pretty much on your own. It sounded like it would be a good preparation for that, that you learn how to plan your own day and your own time. Would you yes. use it for, if someone wanted to learn a trade like carpentry, could they benefit from a Sudbury School? Well, it's interesting you say that because we have a student at the moment who is really keen to pursue carpentry. So we're just working on putting a workshop together in the building. Um, So we're lucky we have outdoor space as well. So, yeah, we're trying to build up a workshop. And I suppose the best thing is that this kind of school is very much about learning by doing and because you're not constrained by a timetable you know you're not fitting woodwork into one hour of the week or whatever once we've got that established they can spend as much time as they want focusing on woodwork we're also looking at opportunities for community learning so like work experience that you would do through regular schools but also having people come in um, we have a skills bank of people that offer um, their time and they come in and do workshops with young people for example we have a local game designer comes in and he's working on coding and game design, board game design as well with one of our students. Mm. So, yes, in terms of something practical, because we have this, the time, and I think that's one of the biggest things that the students get here, is time to do things and explore what they're interested in and actually get to experience what it's like to do that. Do you prepare for traditional things like a leaving cert? Only if they want to. So we have a couple of students at the moment who would like to work towards certain junior cert exams. We don't have anyone leaving to age at the moment, but that would be their choice. And I suppose we're lucky in Ireland that there's loads of different ways to access third level education, whether that's going on to do QQIs or even some of the courses you can do. For example, at Kinsale, we had a student um, last year who was really, the, the leaving set was really stressing them out and actually it wasn't relevant to what they wanted to do next. Right. And they found out in the end that the course they wanted to do in Kinsale, you didn't actually need any qualifications for. They did then do an online course to support so they would have a bit more experience before they went to do it. Yeah. But, you know, there's, we're, we're, there are so many ways and we get very caught on this one path you know, junior set, leading set, university. And actually, there's so many more ways to work out what you want to do in life, Mm -hmm. how you're going to be employable. And I suppose those are the skills really 
from a school like ours is resilience, resourcefulness, um, it, communication skills. There's a massive emphasis on our conflict resolution process in the school. And all of those, in, especially looking at the kind of employment market as it is evolving and changing, those skills are going to be more relevant and more important in the future. Sure. Your own background is, is very much steeped in sustainability. Is, is there a sustainability theme through Sudbury? Um, yeah, we do. Well, one of our core values that we had from the outset was that we will consider the environment in all the decisions that we make in the school. And so definitely, I suppose it's like the um, built in curriculum in a way, the fact that, you know, when things come up at the school meeting, someone might want to buy something. For example, it came up with a complaint that the Internet wasn't good enough. And we, you know, then we discuss the fact that, well, actually, the Internet costs energy that co- that's fossil fuels and, and it turned into a great debate about it and the fact that really we need to make the best of what we've got and so I suppose that that kind of thing it comes up in the day-to-day running of the school rather than being a separate subject that you learn about and with my yeah, I, I did a, a master's in learning for sustainability and it's something really important in education rather than us you know students learning about something as a subject it's actually imbuing it into everything that we do in our day-to-day life is what's going to have a greater impact and we're very lucky where the school is we have a lot of outdoor space so we're just starting to um, establish uh, a veg garden we actually moved 2020 we were in Glengareth and then we moved to Camola in 2021 so it's our first full year in this school and of course 2020 was not a full school year anyway with the lockdown and everything so this has been lovely to have a full school year and see the seasons change and in fact this afternoon we've got to get the peas planted out and you know we've got veg going out there so yeah I suppose the influence of the staff the core values of the school and the very nature of the fact that we don't separate by by um subjects really lends itself to that kind of um sustainability cross-curricular um nature of it you have an open day coming up thursday um how can people do they have to book in for it and what can they expect to see yeah so this is our second open day um we're really looking for you know putting the word out there to people with younger children we're actually very top heavy at the moment we're pretty much full with we are full for teenagers so it's i suppose to get the message across that this isn't just for children that school doesn't work for you know this is a different educational approach and we have some younger students now and their parents have chosen this school because they want their children to grow up in this kind of space where it's you know a different approach to education so on the day the school will be open people can take a look around the building they can talk to the students who are here already and just get a kind of feel for what what exactly is it like because it's hard for people to get their heads around and if people want to book in they can send an email to info at westcorksubburyschool.ie Okay. Okay. Thanks very much, uh, Jessica. It's it's a unique concept for schooling, uh, the West Cork Sudbury School. Jessica Mason Little. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Ah, a sip and see is an Australian tradition. I think I've seen it on Yummy Mummy, and that's Australian based. Uh, people come and see you and the baby, and they have food and drinks, and they bring presents. It's a baby shower then with food and drink I guess that's what they call it a sip and see is it that you don't know the gender of the child until you arrive at the party 
Is that what the sea bit is about? Or are you just going to see the child? The original person who talked about the sip and see um, it said, I know the sip and see I'm going to is alcohol free, so no, it's not a wine tasting. You're going to see the child. Yeah, you're going to see it. It's, it's, yeah, it seems like a nice idea that the new baby is home from hospital and I guess settled in um, and home. Maybe they're a couple of weeks, I don't know, maybe they're a couple of weeks old and then you go for a, a sip and see, a little party. And That sounds like a nice idea, actually. Um, and everyone goes to see the child at the same time rather than organising a dozen different meetups. That's That's actually cool. Now that you mention it, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I want to throw this out there because it's coming on the subject of work life balance. Um, talking to Michael Doherty earlier on about you know workplace balance and the importance of a, a good workplace and, and 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 breaking the day up for yourself and taking time to yourself. This came in on the phone, and we've got about forty minutes left, and I wonder what you think of this. Carla says, and this was a woman, I think women are crazy. They don't think about life balance at all. They don't think anything of taking on more and more tasks. And getting the man to do it isn't the answer either. There's so much to do these days as well. People should be aware of things like laundry services that will collect your clothes once a month and drop them back clean and folded. Oh, we'd be lost without Monica. We would lost without her. Drop them back clean and folded. We do that at home, doing it for years. Saves an absolute fortune of time. How amazing is that? You think you can't afford it, but if mum and dad get together and chip in just a few euro, you'd be amazed at the difference it makes. You know what? That's actually true. If you can afford it, and there are people out there who'll do it, who'll take a whole batch of ironing off your hands and take it away and bring it back the next day. And it's brilliant, because I don't know about you, I hate, I can't anyway. Takes me half an hour to iron a shirt. And I know that the missus used to find it therapeutic long ago, but not anymore. She hates it now. Uh, and I don't blame her. It's a horrible pursuit. I hate, I hate ironing. But there are people who take it away and bring it back. It's not that expensive, actually. It's not that expensive. At all. But I do, I do the point that our caller makes about women taking stuff on. Uh, I brought this one up before. Um, you know, the, if it's just me, it's just me. Should there be a shutting down time of an evening? By which I mean, like, there's a time and a place for washing floors. There's a time and a place for putting on washing. There's a time and a place for all those little things. And there should be a time where they stop. Just stop. There's no need to be sweeping and mopping the floor at 10 o'clock at night. Yes, it has to be done, but there's no need to be doing it at 10 o'clock at night. And apart from that, anyway, the chances are if, you, if you're smallies and you do it at 10 o'clock at night, should there be Wheatabix on it at half seven? So why are you bothering? I think that caller is right. I think women take on stuff and will load themselves up and they have this kind of sense of like responsibility to get stuff done. I need to clean the toilet. It's half nine at night, woman. Go to bed. You know. Yeah. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Your thoughts on housework. Do women take on too much housework? And do we place too much stock in housework? 
housework anyway. Like I'm going home this afternoon and I'm going to sit and watch the snooker. Uh, I might cut the grass. I might not. There are people telling me these days, don't cut the grass in the month of May because let the, let the bees and the everything. But I'm just going to... There's a load of washing to throw on. I'll throw that on and whatever. But uh, I, think, I think people take housework way too seriously. Just a thought. It's a Friday. What do you say? What do you say? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96, 96, 96. On Cork's 96FM. I've wanted to play this for a while. But they reached their climax this weekend. There's four of the game's all-time greats are in the semi-finals. But it was a disappointing tournament for the brilliant young Corkman, Aaron Hill. Uh, Aaron was knocked out in the early qualifying rounds for the world titled and unfortunately because of when he was knocked out he has to win his place back now in the pro snooker ranks he if he'd gotten through the first round of qualifying he might have held on to his card but he's he's lost it now and his journey to win it back starts here in Cork next Wednesday night the tournament begin finishes on Monday but his journey back begins on Wednesday. One of the best players in the game is in town for a match with Aaron. Um, speaking of Triple Crown winner Sean Murphy, 2005 world champion, one of the world's top 16 for the past 20 years. Most of that time he spent in the last in the in the top 10. He's playing Aaron at the Glen Rovers Complex next Wednesday. There's some tickets left for that. Uh, I'll tell you where you can get them later. But I've been catching up with the two lads uh, for the opinion line. Aaron, it's not been the, the best of years for you. Uh, you lost out in the very first round of the World Championship qualifiers, which means that you've you've lost your tour card now. For for people who wouldn't be fully familiar with the professional game, what does that actually mean? It means you can't enter stuff now until you get that tour back. Isn't that right? Yeah, uh, so my professional card is gone now, so I'm no longer in any of the uh, professional tournaments. So I have to enter Q School, which is next month, and uh, hopefully go there and hopefully um, I can get it back there. Uh, it won't be easy, but I'm uh, looking forward to it now. And yeah. How many places are, are to be won at that tournament that you would play? There's uh, there's 12 spots up for grabs, right. four in each tournament. So there's three tournaments uh, and it's on for three consecutive weeks. And uh, you have to get to the semi-final of, uh, of one of the tournaments to get a card there's four in each event right the four semi-finalists so there'll be 12 all together then uh, at the end of the three weeks okay and you can you can enter them all can you I'm entered in all of them yeah okay okay and that that's um, that's out of about over 200 entries I'd imagine probably two 300 entries okay well the best of luck with that thanks very much you've got to fund that though because now that you're off the tour it's it's hard to get funding yeah, it is a course. Um, I'm lucky I've got two good sponsors um, by my side. Uh, they're they're really good to me. Look, uh, it wouldn't be possible without them. Mm. Uh, Tomás Singleton there and Super Value, Holly Hill and uh, the Macau Casino. Um, they're absolutely brilliant and yeah, uh, they're helping me and of course my my uh, wonderful family. Mm-hmm. They're um, they're my rock. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, you're, is it your dad always keeps in contact? I get a message from every time I say, every time you pick up a queue, <laughs> your dad messages me to tell me, do you know? So the, the big night at the Glen, uh, does yourself and Sean will play what, best of nine? Uh, I think it's best of 11, I think. Okay, and then there's a, a celebrity doubles game. That'll be fun. Uh, Shane Kingston and Pa Horgan. And Pa is just learning to be a new daddy, so a bit of pressure on him from the start. <laughs> uh, no, he has been in my corner, so there's no pressure on him. <laughs> uh, oh, you're, you're you're playing with him, yeah? I I think I think I'm playing with playing playing with uh, Pa yeah, and Murphy. Then is playing with uh, Kingston. I uh, know it'd be, be great. It'd be uh, great fun and be good crack. And there'll be a Q and A, Q&A, which means that people in the crowd will get a chance to ask about things like the World Championship and what the atmospheres are like and and all of that. I remember talking to you a year or two ago, and I said. I do see the one table scenario in the Crucible in your future. I I, re- I still do. You know that. Ah, uh, look, it's uh, I I believe so too. It's just um, it doesn't happen overnight. No, it's uh, it's going it's going to be a long road, and I'm prepared for it because I'll do everything I can and always try my best to get where I want to be. What age are you now? I just turned uh, twenty two months ago. Uh, so yeah, um, no, I I do believe there's. There's a long future ahead there for me in, in this game, so I just have to keep the head down and keep doing the right things and keep knocking on the door, and eventually the snooker gods will reward me and they'll open it. Yeah, they're good when they're good. They can be very cruel too. Ah, yeah, don't, don't, don't they know, sure. <laughs> You've got to play ball with them. Yeah, you have to, you have to be on their side, all right, yeah. You have to always uh, pretend they're watching you. I, I wish you well. Aaron, I, I personally take a huge interest in your career. This yourself and another lad, Bullman from Corker. I take a great interest in both of your careers. Uh, Bullman is in uh, Q School now as well. Yeah, we'll yeah. be we'll be travelling together now, and um, hopefully we can do the business. All right. Well, listen, keep in touch with us when you're out there. Have a great event uh, next week, and I suppose you're probably going to sit back now and enjoy the the semi-finals and the final. You couldn't pick the winner out of the last four there. No, um, brilliant lineup and. Should be a great few days watching it. Aaron, good talking to you, man, and we will see you Wednesday night. Take care. Thanks, thanks very much, PJ. Thank you. Delighted now to be joined from the Crucible Theatre, where he's working for the BBC at the World Championships by uh, none other than Sean Murphy. Sean, great to speak with you. We'll talk about the ch- championships in just a second, but Aaron Hill, let's chat about that young man. A very talented young lad. You know what it's like to be trying to break into the big leagues, don't you? Yeah, it's um, it's very, very difficult, firstly. Um, Aaron did very, very well to uh, get on the tour in the first place. And, and, and similarly to my story, um, you know, has now dropped off and, uh, and lost his tour status. But he needs to, you know, go, do as well as he can now to regain that. It took me a good two, maybe three years mm. um, when I dropped off the tour to get back on the tour now. The setup was slightly different there. The, the way of qualifying was slightly different. But Aaron you know, he's by far and away good enough to be on the tour. Very, very exciting to play, to watch. Very talented. Mm. And, um, you know, I think he's definitely somebody to watch for the future. He was very unlucky in qualifying in that he came up against just a guy who was a humdinger on the day. And that's the way it goes. And and that's the thing about snooker, you know. That's that's what makes snooker one of the hardest sports in the world, single-player sports in the world, because you're out there on your own and you, you play a shot. It could be your last you yeah. don't 
you know, in, if we take darts as an example, another single player sport, you have your three darts at the hockey, you stand aside, the other player throws, and then you get to throw again. Snooker's not like that. Uh, in golf, you know, you hit the ball, you go and find it, you hit it again. Snooker is completely different. Every shot you play could theoretically be your last. Yes. And well, if you just run into someone who has a, a great day, there's yeah. nothing you can do. Yeah. Now, getting back on the tour for Aaron involves uh, funding and it involves a, a lot of support and help, which is why you're coming to Cork to play him in an exhibition match. You looking forward to that? Very much so, yeah. I've never been to Cork and uh, I'm really looking forward to coming down. Um, you know, I, I love being in Ireland and I uh, love everything about it. Obviously, my family history is very, you know, strongly Irish. Mm. I just I just sound English. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, really looking forward to getting down to that part of the country mm. uh, and spending, you know, a bit of time down there. Obviously, you know, it'd be great to drum up some support for Aaron and as he tries to make his way on this journey. It's very difficult to do on your own. I was very, very lucky when I was 12. I was sponsored by Doc Martins. Yeah. Um, that big worldwide brand, of course, they they were based in the same town as I was. Mm. And it just so happened that the CEO took took pity on us, really. Mm. And uh, he, he funded me all the way through to trying to get my tour card, mm. um, you know, and, but for the support of him uh, and a few other um, very generous people, you know, I wouldn't be talking to you today. Mm. Uh, Aaron been a, a little bit unlucky. I, I've every confidence yeah. that if, you know, he will re regain his tour card and get back on top. We've seen he, he certainly has the talent. Sean, your own world championship didn't go as well as one might have expected. I certainly was shocked to see you drop out in the first round. Now you're working for the BBC at the final stages. These final, I, I can't think, and I've been following the world championships since I was a small boy, I can't think of a more exciting semi-final lineup. No, we were chatting about it last night. It's 23 years 1999 was the last time that John Higgins, Mark Williams and Ronnie O'Sullivan were all in the semis here. And of course, we've got Judd Trump as well. Yeah. 14 uh, world about. titles between the four semi-finalists. Incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Can I ask you to speculate of the four that are there? Who's the one that everyone's got to get past? I, I honestly see a final between Ronnie and, and Mark and I see it being a classic. Would you, would you agree with me? Well, I, I certainly would say that you know, whoever comes through to the final, it will be a classic. I think this is, you know, probably the strongest lineup we've ever seen going into the the semi-finals. Um, uh, once I lost, uh, Mark Williams was my pick, and um, I'm still standing by that. Sean, thank you for being with us on Cork's ninety six FM. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, Sean Murphy, we recorded that yesterday before a ball had been struck in the semi-finals, and I have to tell you that uh, Mark Williams is in trouble in trouble um, he's 9-3 down against Judd Trump with first to 17 to go through to the finals or to the final but as one fella says here he's a big snooker fan but I think Trump is only starting to find his form I think he'll win the whole thing although you can never write off Williams until the match is over ain't that the truth if you want to get tickets for that uh, match between Aaron and Sean Aaron Hill and Sean Murphy there are some still available you can call 0214397798 that's Cork's Crucible Snooker Club 0214397798 there are some tickets still available for that can we just the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie 
Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 On Cork's 96FM. Uh, the, the, the Sheeran buzz is starting up again. Kira was on. Uh, so what's up? Hi, PJ. Heading to Ed tonight. Really looking forward to it. I won tickets for me just to say thanks ever so much. And whoever sent this video in, thank you so much. It's a classy video. And the WhatsApp just says he was amazing. I'm still buzzing. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, four weeks from today, we will be in the thick of it with the Corks 96 of M Giving for Living Radiothon. It's great to have it back uh, between May 26th and 28th, raising funds once again for Cork Cancer Services and as always, we need and we know you'll give us your help. You can host a coffee morning at home or at school or at work and we did that, we weren't able to do that last year so it's great to have them back gather all your loose coins with the change collector box with something new on the Friday this week the 27th May, we're having a jersey day, wear your jersey, your whatever team or country or sport you support, wear your jersey on the Friday to school, to work. If you're listening to me right now in a coffee or in a yeah, coffee break in a school staff room or wherever, why not start the ball rolling on Monday by telling the kids, or Tuesday rather, tell the kids they can wear their jerseys on the 27th of May and then raise money for the Radiothon. You can get a, a fundraising pack at 96m.ie. It's all really easy and it starts... May 26th. It's the Giving for Living Radiothon. May 26th to 28th only on Cork's 96 FM. Now, in between that and this, and of course Ed is in town tonight, but coming back to town on the 9th and 10th of May. It's a few years since she was here and it's great to have Imelda May back in Cork in a couple of weeks' time. Imelda, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good, great to speak with you. I, I was at the uh, marquee the last time you were there. there you you oh, right. love the car crowd. I do, I do. It's always a great gig. It's always one um, that I look forward to on the tour. And I tell my uh, all my band and crew in advance, wait for this, you're going to love this one. Mm. so no pressure on you Cork <laughs> well don't let me down <laughs> there was a lovely moment the last time where you spotted uh, I think a special little girl at the side of the stage yeah and you brought her up to dance with you I thought it was such a sweet sweet moment uh, God. well I love I love seeing kids come to the gigs and uh, there's a few kids that come all the time and a few uh, with special needs as well and um, and I think it's just I think it's just healthy, it's good. I was brought up with music and culture as part of the everyday, so it's lovely when you see people bringing bringing their kids and reacting, you know, so I can't help it. I drag them up onto the stage sometimes. You were, you kept very busy during lockdown. I mean, everybody missed gigs, I'm sure you did too, but you kept yourself busy recording and writing and working all the time. Well, my whole world stopped, same as everybody else's, but, um, and certainly the entertainment industry totally stopped for for quite a long time and um, because uh, we rely on an audience we rely on everybody coming to see us all the all all of us the whole industry the whole community and uh, but for me my creativity doesn't stop my mind keeps spinning mm. and I hadn't got an outlet for it so I was driving myself mad you know so I just got, threw myself into different projects that I probably wouldn't have got a chance to do and felt a bit mad at the time, but I'm glad now that I did it. It kind of 
gave me a, a focus, you know, and kept me sanity. Mm. I, I, one of these people, Imelda, that is in the industry, various types of creativity, and you could wake up at two in the morning with an idea and start working then. Are you one of those people? I was one of those until I had a child. Yeah. And now, <laughs> and that changed everything. But I would, I, I um, it does take me a while. To, if, if an idea starts in my head, I have to write it down because I won't remember in the morning. And uh, so sometimes I can work till mad hours at night. But if I wait during the night, I, I just try and roll, up, roll over before the little mad woman wakes up mm. and starts my day. But it, it, my, my creativity is always gone. So I, I filmed a movie. I wrote got me poetry book together. I worked on a documentary, Voices of Ireland, all about our amazing literature that I wanted to show the world how brilliant we are. Um, and then I was putting out my album and, uh, and, uh, and I acted in a movie, as I said, yeah. Fishman's Friends 2. Yeah. And, um, and then I got my album out. But normally you put out an album and you go on tour and I haven't been able to tour this. So it's out a year and it's actually been, I just finished the UK leg of the tour and the reaction was amazing because people have this album for a year now and are totally singing it back to me, which has been really beautiful because I wasn't sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure which songs they'd take to. Mm. But so I'm really looking forward to Cork. And my friend, Claude McKenna, is coming for her birthday is while I'm gigging in Cork. So she's coming with all her gang. So it'll be... Fab. As, as you, about the, the whole thing about an audience singing back to you, like, as I said, I, I saw you at the marquee and it was a packed night. Mm. And that, what, what's it like, Imelda, as an artist to, to sit in or to stand in front of a venue and hear a couple of thousand people singing your words back at you at the tops of the voice? What's that feel like? Um, that's everything. I suppose that's 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 really everything. That's what you want, and not in everybody knows my song, but that that song doesn't belong to me anymore. It be, belongs to whoever else is singing it. It's yours now. It's whatever it means to you, and it means that we connect. That we've all connected through a similar experience that I just happen to be able to write about. Mm. There's a bit you know of, that's a, it all. There's yeah. ma- there's a massive love in the room when that happens, Isn't and there's it? a beautiful yeah. vibration that you cannot replace yeah. with a Zoom gig. There's there's a gorgeous song um, that uh, one of my colleagues introduced me to a viewers a couple of years ago. But we see the same moon. Ah, yeah. yeah. I wrote that for my mum. That's called "I'll Meet with the Moon." Yeah. And we used to when we missed each other, we used to look up at the moon in two different countries and yeah. chat about it and have a look at it and look at the stars beside it. But it's taken on a whole new meaning now yeah. Yeah. for me since my mum is gone. That's so. right. And she was a big part of your life. You talked, what, you talked every day, didn't you, Lily? Yeah, we did. We did. Oh, don't start me off. <laughs> we did. We talked all the time, yeah. 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 So this will be my first um, tour around Ireland without her turning up. Yeah. to Lowe's. She always turned up to Cork because she loves a family in Cork, all her cousins. Mm. Um, her granny was uh, Kelly right. from Cork and uh, so mum always went and would bring her cousins with her. So it's the first time going to Cork without mum. All right. <laughs> so uh, it'll be, but my dad's coming and there's, like I said, clothes, there's loads of me friends. Yeah, yeah, it's actually... It should be love. It, it, 
Clearly. When you're on tour, you, you you meet people along the way that friends will turn up to particular gigs, and it's just so lovely that that I know when I go to Galway, all my cousins will be in Galway, and when I'm up in Belfast, and you have a bunch of pals. So it's kind of lovely after this lockdown to be able to meet with everyone again, yeah. and then come to the gig, and I want to treat them because this gig is more of a show than a gig. I've worked really hard on this over the last um, year and it's a different gig than I've ever done. Okay. Um, and there's huge big visuals. So I wanted to move everybody and make everyone feel more because I felt that we all deserved that. And I, th- I felt people deserved more after yeah. what we've been through. So I'm giving it my absolute all. Will you come? I'd love if you oh, could I'm, come. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. Um, we, we've had Claire Layden in contact. Um, she's going to be singing with you. On the ninth she of is. May, and she said she had, you were you were great support during her treatment. Well, we just hooked up on online. I I happened to to see. She sent me a lovely, just a hello, and it was it was normally people say, "Oh, can you do this?" And she sang a song, and her voice blew me away. And I got in touch with her, and um, yes, yeah, she's going to come and join me. And we became pals, and then I got her in touch with the um, women in harmony. Yeah. Because they're great, and I said you have to have this woman join it because wait to hear her voice, and they all fell off their standing when they heard Fabulous. how brilliant she is. So and, she's and, such a talented woman, and that's very kind and decent of you to you know, Melda, to do something like that. I, I'm uh, earlier this year, um, you lost a dear friend, and I didn't realise that he was a dear friend of yours. I was a big yes. Meatloaf fan. You were very uh, close. Yeah, yeah. I was very lucky to to get to to know me. He was just how did you meet? I him? was so, was through Jeff Beck actually. I was doing a gig with Jeff in the Iridium, and everybody came down to see this gig because it was in a tiny venue, and um, that's where I met Tony Visconti, and um, I ended up singing with Lou Reed, and Bowie came down, and we hung out. It was all these amazing people came down, Metallica. And so loads of things have happened since that. People kept in touch with me, which was lovely. Mm. And then me asked me, would I sing with him? Would I go on tour with him? And then when I sing, um, I would do anything for love. He was doing a re-recording of it with a huge big orchestra. Yeah, I downloaded um, that actually after he died and listened to it on headphones. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And he he, he was mind-blowing. And we just kept in touch every time I'd be in the States. I'd go and meet up with him. And he was bonkers. <laughs> he is absolutely like everything that you'd hope he'd be or imagine. He was so funny and cantankerous, <laughs> argumentative just for the sake of it. And just gorgeous and kind and supportive. And he used to turn up to me gigs when I'd be in LA and he'd be at the side of the stage and no one would know. He said, I'll sneak in. And then I'd hear him while I'd be singing some of my songs in the background, <laughs> singing along with me and all yeah, that, and yeah. crying and laughing as I'd go through it. I yeah. just loved him to pieces. Yeah, and he called you to say goodbye, didn't he? He did. I got to say goodbye to him and uh, tell him I loved him. And uh, I was lucky. And that's because of um, Paul Crook, his guitarist and producer and really right-hand man. Okay. And uh, yeah, it, it, the the world is definitely a lot duller without meatloaf in it, isn't it? 
It is indeed, it is indeed. Imelda, great talking to you. 9th and 10th of May, where the gigs are at, at the Opera House. And brilliant to have you on the Opinion Line. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. And I'll send you a couple of tickets. Looking forward to it. You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.